take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody who knows me, who's listening to this podcast, who follows me on social media, knows how much I struggle with anxiety. And if you follow me on social media, you'll know, um, you know, at the time that we're recording this, last week I put out a post about um, the benefits I've been having with CBD oil um, and, and taking that daily uh, and the effect it's had on my anxiety. So today, uh, I'm really excited to welcome Maddie Brown, uh, co-founder of MBL Apothecary and disclosure, where I get my CBD oil from that's been working so well. Um, but uh, Maddie, thank you so much for joining me and I'm really looking forward to this conversation for sure. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I feel like uh, the Zoom way is the new way to do all the all the stuff. So here we are. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It, going from I started this podcast just talking to people in person, and that was always my mission to have those like those difficult conversations in person. And now it's like okay, now I have to do it for Zoom. But it's opened up so many avenues. True, and people so are cool more um, people are more available too because it's mm-hmm. it's not displacing yourself that type of thing. So yeah. there are pros and cons. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you're not only the co-founder of, um, you know, MBL Apothecary, but um, you're also like a cannabis educator and, and nurse. That's correct, right? Yes, exactly. So basically, you, you know your shit on this stuff. And I know uh, from talking to some mutual contacts, you've uh, been working in this for quite a while. I'm curious, you know, because obviously you've been working in this before it was even considered legal by the government. How did you fall into this kind of line of work in this, this industry, especially when it wasn't, you know, accepted by the Canadian government? Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I went to uh, nursing school, I had a focus in um, palliative care and pediatrics. And I think a lot of the time uh, in palliative care, um, cannabis is actually used a bit more regularly than in other lines of care. You don't necessarily want to introduce cannabis um, to every patient, but when people are dying, so sorry, palliative care means uh, care for people who are in their kind of last days to weeks of life. I think it's it's often considered more because doctors and nurse practitioners kind of figure, okay, well, even if the long-term effects of cannabis are not great, this person's palliative, we're looking at it from more of a symptom management approach. So from working in uh, in hospice care and uh, both with adults and children where we'd see cannabis being used, I started um, doing my own cannabis research more than, you know, I was already using cannabis um, quite regularly and I had been since I was about 15. So when it came down to work, I started to want to work in the industry. So instead of hospice care, I started working uh, at a cannabis clinic where I was their nurse educator. So people would come in for their appointments and get a prescription for medical cannabis, which has been legal in Canada since 2001. It was actually first prescribed Mm. um, to HIV and AIDS patients who had a really hard time with uh, appetite and nausea. So it was kind of first experimented with then. Um, and I was working in clinics that were helping people get their prescriptions and then they'd come see me and I would do the education. So, you know, this is what you should be, should be looking for on the website and this is what you should order. And you take this one at daytime or nighttime. And, uh, the clinic was a great kind of, 
um, ramp for me to start my own business. So now I, uh, through my independent insurance as a nurse, I can give people advice based on their existing prescriptions. And now that cannabis is recreationally legal, it makes it a lot, um, I guess, not less responsibility, but there's less medical onus on me. Uh, because even if your doctor or I say to you, oh, I really don't think cannabis is a good idea, you can walk down the street and buy it anyway, even if I tell you, you really shouldn't do it. So uh, it takes a bit of the pressure off of healthcare providers. We can just kind of counsel people as to what the right choice would be. So if it's somebody suffering from X, Y, Z, we'll point you in this direction. And I think that's what um, the cannabis industry is really kind of tricky to navigate because there's just so many places to go for information. Do you go to Health Canada? Do you go to Weed Maps? Do you go to Leafly? There are so many different, you know, legitimate and, and well-resourced, well-referenced cannabis uh, sites, but you never really know which one to go to, especially, mm. okay, you know, I want to use it medically, but it's legal recreationally. Do I even need a prescription anymore? That's really how I got into it was kind of palliative care to cannabis clinics to, to independent consulting and, and making my own products for those patients who receive the independent consults. That's interesting. Um, I'm curious about, so you, you hear it all the time. Um, and like you said, there's so many different resources now, kind of the, the medicinal use of, of marijuana and cannabis and the, the effects it has on people. Um, what I'm curious, what, what's the difference? Is there a difference between use like between them using it medically and recreationally or do like you see the kind of the same benefits if, if you, if you do both, like what determines, mm -hmm. What determines if it's like, okay, you know, this is going to help you, um, it, you know, medi medically, I use quotes there, but, you know, what, what determines that helps, that's going to help you that way? Uh, I think the biggest thing is, is probably uh, the effects you feel when you use cannabis. You know, if you're somebody who's super anxious and has terrible sleeping habits, and every time you, you know, go get stoned with your friend in a park, you're like, oh my God, my sleep is like amazing after. Um, maybe is this something I should use every day? Cause like I take my sleeping pill every day and it doesn't do shit. So maybe mm -hmm. I should switch to the cannabis because every time I smoke, I pass out for 12 hours. So, you know, it becomes, is this actually benefiting me versus I use the example with alcohol. So are you ever really going to be like 12 shots into your, into your gin and be like, Oh my God, I suddenly feel as though this medical problem I've had forever is resolved. Like alcohol doesn't work that way. So when you're you know, drinking for fun, there's never really a point where you're like, oh my God, I could use this as a, as a medicine. With cannabis, you're using it and you're like, oh my God, my anxiety is lessened or um, my mood is improved or that knee pain is gone or I'm not nauseous anymore. There, there's never really going to be a time where a doctor will say, I really think this patient can benefit from a prescription for beer, but mm. there's many times now where doctors say, I really think this patient could benefit from a cannabis prescription. And I think that has a lot to do with um, its drug class that uh, cannabis isn't a, isn't a depressant like alcohol is. It doesn't have the same addictive properties as, as alcohol or things like fentanyl and opioids or narcotics like that. So I think people are more and more lenient with cannabis knowing that, you can absolutely go home and take too much of it and feel terrible, but it's not the same worry as a doctor who gives a, a fentanyl prescription and, and tells the patient to go home and try to figure out a dose that works, right? That's, 
you'd be worried all night, is the person going to overdose? Are they okay? Are they sick? Are they breathing? So I think there's, um, there are risks with cannabis, but it's far, far fewer than your standard medications, which is why I think it's more frequently considered one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to get to some of that other like, stuff there, like risks, and, and you mentioned a lot of stuff there, but just because a lot of, there are tons of resources, but I think just starting with the basics, because I think a lot of people don't really know, mm-hmm. you know, what makes, what makes this a good medicine? What, what gives people the benefits, right? Like you hear a lot of different things now, especially now that it's legal versus, you know, indica, sativa, uh, CBD, like all these things kind of get thrown around and people are like, oh yeah, use this, use this. And it's like, people kind of get like overwhelmed. They're like, I don't know, should I smoke it? Should I ingest it with the oil? Yes. Like there's just a lot of things going on and, and, you know, glad there's people like you who are trying to educate people. Cause I feel like in a way it was just kind of like, thrown at us and it was like and go and and people have to kind of experiment with it yeah. on their own mm-hmm. um, no so I, like, I go ahead sorry go ahead no? <laughs> um but i'm just wondering like so let's like get right to the basics like you know from from the strains of weed cbd and thc i mean it's kind of like a lot to un- unpack there and a big question yeah. with a lot of avenues but like let's just simplify it, it so people can understand yeah i think Um, I started doing what actually got me into doing uh, my independent cannabis consulting as opposed to working through a clinic or through an agency. Um, I designed my own cannabis uh, PowerPoint presentation that I called Cannabis 101, where kind of just dulled down all the terminology and terms so that I could teach it at uh, hospitals and clinics and to other nurses, because I would get calls at like two in the morning from nurses being like, Maddie, we have a patient here that has a grinder. What do we do with a grinder? And I'd be like, <laughs> oh God, like the, and these are nurses like early seventies, late sixties who have never, ever done it. Like they have no clue. What did right. you put the weed in the grinder and light the grinder on fire? Like they have no clue. So it became more, I need to teach people so that when patients are using it as medicine, nurses aren't like, well, what the hell do we do? Mm. Um, so I'll give you my little kind of cannabis 101 and you just stop me or interrupt me or we can break it down more as needed. So you just, you kind of let me know when, when, mm-hmm. um, when you want to interrupt. So cannabis um, works through a, a very complex system. So it's actually called your endocannabinoid system. And that system is naturally occurring in all humans, most, most flora and fauna, meaning most, most animals and plants. And it's innate meaning it's naturally occurring even if you've never smoked a joint or had an edible or used a topical product in your entire life you still have an endocannabinoid system and it works like a lock and key meaning if your endocannabinoid system is the lock cannabis would be the key so when you ingest it or inhale it or apply it topically those two things link up like a lock and key and you experience relief of this huge variety of symptoms And the reason you experience relief of such a wide variety of symptoms is because your endocannabinoid receptors are scattered throughout your body. And we see these endocannabinoid receptors in three big areas. The first one being your stomach, which is why people with things like Crohn's disease or nausea and vomiting, or um, I don't know if you've heard of a condition called diverticulitis, which is Mm -hmm. like inflammation in your colon area. So 
those people will say, oh my God, as soon as I tried cannabis, it was like, you know, this huge change of, of relief. Um, you have a huge amount of endocannabinoid receptors in your immune cells. So immune-based conditions like lupus, like um, psoriasis, like eczema will respond really well to cannabis. And then lastly, you see a really, really huge collection of those receptors in your central nervous system which starts to make sense for a lot of people because that entails your, your mental health conditions, things like MS, things like seizure disorders, uh, things like spinal cord injuries, where your central nervous system is lined with these endocannabinoid receptors. So you'll have um, an MS patient who's been on a slew of different meds for five years and they smoke three puffs of a joint and all of a sudden their nerve pain is gone and their nausea is gone and they have an appetite and their mood's improved and they actually sleep that night. And the doctors are like, well, we've been trying to get those six symptoms under control with 12 different meds for five years, right? But cannabis isn't considered that frontline agent because it's for the past hundred years been considered a risk category one stigmatized drug. So mm. we didn't study it the way people study things like chemotherapies or Tylenols or different immune therapies that are out there. So we're just getting there with really researching and finding out more conclusive information about it. Cause I'm sure a lot of people will argue as well. We're not argue, but more just question um, that there's not enough proof or enough data to say that cannabis is effective for X, Y, or Z yet. And it's not so much that there's not enough proof or data to say that it's effective. It's just, we don't know the long-term implications. Um, and it hasn't been possible for us to study it because of, of what we just said. It's just been this stigmatized, taboo, racially motivated drug basically designed to put certain people in prison. Actually, the term, um, the term marijuana was a, a racist term used to associate it with Mexican migrant workers. So you'd mm. say to people, yeah, the Mexicans with their marijuana are coming here, which is totally ridiculous. Uh, and a term that's now kind of associated with that racial bias. So about five years ago within the industry, we started rewriting all of the uh, Health Canada and medical documentation to reflect the word cannabis as opposed to marijuana. So it used to be called uh, the Medical Marijuana Regulations Act. And it's now the ACMPR, which is the Access for Cannabis for Medical Purposes Act. So they've changed it in most places and most, most healthcare providers will, will use the term cannabis and trying to get away from marijuana, which is technically a slang term. Um, so that's the other thing, you know, with the recreational stores, people will call it weed or bud or whatever it is. We really stick with cannabis more mm -hmm. in the medical industry. And there's awesome stories about that too, that I can tell you after about like awkward strain names and doctors being like, what's the name of this strain? And me being like, oh God. So <laughs> remind me of that story, but I don't want to get too off my tangent. Is that cool so far? Or is that like too much? I love in? it. I, okay. I, don't, I love when I don't have to say anything. It makes everything like that much better. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, the, and I'll go through the next step pretty quickly. So it'll probably be about five or six minutes. Um, the next kind of big thing that makes people a bit more uh, kind of aware or understanding uh, is THC versus CBD. Mm -hmm. So now you know why cannabis is effective. It's through that endocannabinoid system. Um, and the two big compounds that we talk about are THC and CBD. There are hundreds of compounds in cannabis, but those are the big ones that are in focus. 
Um, THC is the psychoactive or intoxicating compound in cannabis, meaning makes you stoned, can make you feel um, like out of it or impaired. So it's definitely more of a deterrent for some people because they, they don't like being stoned or they can't be using cannabis because of their work or they have to drive. So it definitely be, becomes more of a deterrent. Um, it is responsible medically for some pretty cool things. So it's fantastic for nerve pain. So people who have spinal cord injuries, people who have, um, you've probably heard of sciatic pain where like you feel it in your back, but it shoots into your leg. So those are all nerve pain. THC is fantastic for it. It's fantastic for sleep and it's fantastic for appetite stimulation. And most people are like, oh my God, it's true. Like every, every time I smoke, I, I do end up sleeping and eating like that's, that's crazy. So those are its, you know, medical benefits. And there's tons of different conditions where you very well might need to gain weight or you might need to sleep better, or you do have nerve pain. So, you know, it does come with that, that higher, that psychoactive effect. But when you dose responsibly, you can kind of figure out what works and what doesn't. Same way you dose responsibly with every other thing that your doctor gives you, if mm -hmm. that's where you're getting your cannabis. Just quickly, is like, is there a difference? So if I, you know, take the, the good shit, you know, that, 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 you know, 40, 50, 60% THC compound, if you look at the Ontario cannabis website versus mm -hmm. like a, a lower dose, like a, like a 10%. Would you equate that with like taking the stronger stuff of THC? Would that give you more of those benefits or is it more based on like a personal, like how your body reacts to it? Like, would you be able to see most of the same benefits with like a smaller dose of THC? Um, yeah. So when we talk about, I mean, there will always be the issue of tolerance. So for somebody like myself who smokes all the time, I'm always going to have a higher tolerance than my new cancer patient who has never used it before, but absolutely needs something to stop vomiting, right? So they're going to be able to get away with using a much smaller amount than, than somebody who's been using it long term. That rule does not always apply. I have... Um, helped Ottawa Red Blacks players with their cannabis prescriptions and they take the smallest amount of THC ever, these big 300 pound guys and they're high for 24 hours. And I have helped tiny little old 90 pound, 100 year old ladies who say they take the whole bottle and chug it like a shot and they don't feel a thing. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's no, yeah, like, and it doesn't seem to be consistent. There's no weight. There's right. no age. It okay. seems like it's medical history. It's tolerance. And it, it's, it's, you know, more the way your body reacts to everything. Some people take Tylenol and their headaches gone in 30 minutes and they feel great. Some people take Tylenol and they're nauseous and they feel like their kidneys feel sore for a week. If your Tylenol usually takes an hour to kick in, your cannabis probably will too. If you're somebody who says, oh my God, I take Tylenol and it takes three hours, your cannabis probably will too. Metabolism plays a big role in that. Um, and I think that's why I always tell people, start low and go slow. You can always mm -hmm. like take more cannabis, but it really, really sucks when you've taken too much. And anybody will tell you that if you've like greened out or had too much of an edible, it's not like an enjoyable thing for anybody. So it's all about dosing correctly yeah that's me i have like one hit of a joint and i'm like i'm gone yeah <laughs> like just everybody's so different and i'm like <laughs> i can smoke 20 joints a day and then do a talk like this and i have like i finish a beer and i'm like where am i like right. 
Uh, everybody's so <laughs> different with alcohol with cannabis yeah. so I tell everybody, unless you're recreationally using it and you want to be super stoned the same way some nights you do want to go out and have too many drinks, like cool. But if you're expecting a medical dose to help with anxiety or help you sleep, you have to take the right amount. You know right. what I mean? Um, so that kind of, that's THC. The other side of things is, is CBD. So Obviously, the biggest difference between the two is that CBD is non-intoxicating, meaning it does not cause you to feel stoned or impaired or out of it. It can absolutely relax you. It can absolutely make you, uh, like people will say, oh, I, I sleep so well with CBD, but it's not impairing or intoxicating, meaning you're like, oh, I'm so relaxed right now. I definitely shouldn't like go operate machinery whereas if you're super stoned you'd be like oh it'd be cool to operate machinery he doesn't impair you that way so of course it can affect you but it's not intoxicating i think that's the biggest difference it's like having de-alcoholized beer you're, right. you're taking the uh impairing part out of it so cbd as you probably and probably a lot of your listeners have heard as well is fantastic for seizures or tremors it's fantastic for uh, mental health conditions, so everything from anxiety to PTSD to uh, bipolar disorder to uh, just straight up depression. Uh, it is fantastic for inflammatory pain, meaning THC was the one really good for nerve pain. CBD is going to be good for inflammatory pain. Those are conditions like arthritis, um, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, which is like inflammation in your, in your stomach. Uh, anything that ends with the word itis means inflammation. So mm -hmm. tonsillitis, when your tonsils are inflamed, appendicitis, yeah, and so on. But it's going to be good for anything in that category. So migraines are inflammatory in basis. You'll find a lot of people who swear by their CBD regimen for migraines. Mm. Uh, and lastly, CBD is actually very good for nausea as well. So sometimes THC can actually make people feel... Um, dizzy because it makes you feel stoned so that can actually make your nausea a bit worse if you're dizzy cbd really seems to settle um kind of upset stomach a lot okay so and then it, if you have questions there and then the last thing i was going to really talk about was just the kind of vaping versus edibles or mm -hmm. smoking and mm -hmm. stuff versus edibles but you go um, ahead if you so have. we'll go we'll go to that but so for cbd because that's obviously the big one that's the one i put out Mm -hmm. um, and I got a lot of questions and I'm, I'm sure, you know, people who I just was like, go talk to her. I know nothing. I'm like, mm -hmm. in Google. Um, so obviously from my personal experience, taking it like has been like wondrous for my anxiety. Um, yeah. I feel a lot like less stressed, like a lot more at ease, like some things like, you know, for instance, a, a podcast before, like I'd always have a little anxiety, like, Ooh, like kind of worried about meeting someone new, all those types of things that are normal. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I don't really get any of that. There's still an element of it there, but it, it like for someone like me, who's like super anxious, like I noticed yep. a noticeable difference. Oh, I yeah. have some, I have some people who, who, who take it and they say they don't notice anything um, that, you know, that they didn't, they didn't feel any effects. They're kind of unsure what they're supposed to, um, to, to feel, you know, because you're not getting intoxicated. They're like, okay, well, like, how do I know if it's working? Yeah, for so sure. My my first question is, you know, it the and the biggest one I got is is the relief 
instantaneous? Like if you're really anxious, can you just take a drop? It's gone. And then like, you don't really have to worry or is it more kind of like a dosing thing? Like uh, for instance, my, um, my SSRI antidepressants, you know, I have to take that every day and it takes a while for it to my body chemistry to change and me to start to notice the effects. You know, right. what, what is that? What is it? Is it more of that or is it more instantaneous uh, relief yeah. for the CBD? For sure. So I think that's, that confuses people a lot with the CBD is not like necessarily knowing when it kicks in because when you're stoned or when you're drinking, it's like, Oh, yep. I can feel yeah. it now. Um, with CBD, it's definitely more subtle. What I find is that a lot of my pain patients are like, Oh my God. Yeah. It works right away. But mental health patients are like, I, I don't know if it's working right away. Cause it is, um, much more subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were kind of ex- explaining why it, or how it helped you. So the reason that so have you had you heard that CBD was effective for seizures before this? Yeah, I've, 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 uh, and you see videos on on the internet and all that stuff. So yeah, I have, right. I, I'm familiar so, with it at least. So the reason that cannabis is so effective for seizure disorders, or CBD in particular, is so effective for seizure disorders, is because one of the things that CBD does is it reduces overactivity in your brain. So when you're having a seizure um, in like non-medical terms, there's basically way too much shit going on in your brain. It's basically called overfiring. There's too much and it results in you having this stimulation, this neurological stimulation that causes a seizure. When you are in a mental health crisis, the exact same thing is happening in your brain. There is too much shit going on, too much firing, mixed signals, you're not having a seizure disorder, but you're having a panic attack, or you're having an anxiety attack, or you're having a PTSD flare up where you cannot control your mood, the same way someone having a seizure cannot control their muscle contractions. It's the same thing. CBD doesn't differentiate in your brain about what the overfiring is. So the same way that CBD very clearly works for seizures. I mean, I've watched people having seizures, they take it and then it stops. You can't really deny that working. You're having an anxiety attack. You, you take the CBD and it stops. So it works the same way. It was just more advocacy for physical and mental health being synonymous. They are the same thing. If you give meds to the same things, they will respond the same way with this reduction in overactivity. So you'll have people with anxiety or with ADHD or with PTSD or with night terrors whose brains are always going without like sounding rude. I have PTSD myself without your brain kind of going haywire and you take CBD and the same way it would reduce that overactivity in a seizure, it's going to do that for your mental health condition. Now I have people who say, okay, I've been taking it for a week. I don't notice anything. I'm not really feeling that difference. So they stop taking it. And then I get a message like a week later saying, oh shit, maybe it was working because I'm not sleeping as well as I was last week. Or I, I am a bit more irritable this morning, or I do find that I'm a bit more moody in traffic than last week, right? It's subtle. It's not that kind of hit you with um, a dose of something the way THC does or the way Tylenol does. If you're, if you're taking CBD for mental health, it can be more subtle. I've had patients message me in the car on the way home saying, oh my God, I took it. I feel like it's already working. Is that uh, a kind of um, like somatic experience where maybe it's just, you feel like it's working, so it is. 
awesome. Mm-hmm. If that's what it is, <laughs> go for it. Maybe it actually starts to kick in in 45 minutes, but the second you take it, you're feeling like it's effective. So you're like, okay, this anxiety I feel, I know it's going to go away. So you already feel better. Okay. But I do agree. It's definitely trickier because it's not something that just hits you with this, this hit of impairment. You are, you know, subtly mm-hmm. getting used to it. I've had people who say it takes them a month of, of playing around with the doses before it works. I've had people saying um, they tested it by watching a show that they watch all the time and then they watch it while taking CBD. So it hurts less when they get up off the couch after their character that they hate is not as annoying as usual. They're laughing at the show more. So it's, you, you have to kind of really test it yourself. And that's mm. one of the nice things with cannabis is you're in charge of the, of the whole process. If you want to take it at night, go for it during the day, go for it. You want to take, um, a sativa or an indica or whatever it is, it's your choice. And that's the nice thing about cannabis that there doesn't really, that doesn't really happen with a whole lot of medications where the patient is in charge and not the doctor. Right. And that's, that's what happened to me. Um, like I didn't notice it right off the top. It was only after doing those activities that would usually give me some nerves. Yeah, um, it exactly. was the, po- the podcasts, the going uh, on first dates again after a long-term relationship things that would make me nervous I noticed I was like oh here we go like okay but then you know and then just you always get that type of thing from people that yeah like they they take it they're going I don't really feel anything it didn't really work for me yeah like so that's where it goes into like do I have to take it every day for it to really make I I say I tell people that they should be taking it every day especially when it's for a mood thing you know if you just had surgery on your foot yeah, you're going to take it for two months and you might never take it again, but mm-hmm. mental health doesn't tend to go away. It mm-hmm. can be managed, but it's still always there. So in terms of, um, should you take it every day? Yeah, totally. Because maybe, um, if you take it in the morning and in the evening every day on day four, maybe you would have had a freak out by now, but you have some CBD built up in your system. So you never really get to that point of being super, super, super agitated or irritable or stressed because you have that kind of baseline CBD in your system. I think that's where I tell people, as long as you don't have a negative, you know, you don't take it and feel awful or take it and have a a medication that you shouldn't mix it with. If you take it and feel good, you can take it like a vitamin every day, especially the product that you're using from me that my partner Tiffany and I make. Um, it's derived from hemp as opposed to derived from the cannabis plant, which we can talk about after um, we kind of finish up the little cannabis 101, but it makes a huge difference for sure in terms of, of what product you're using. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, and definitely want to get to that too. So, and then it brings me to the next question and that, and, and you know, as a broadcaster, that great transition and, and segue into what is better to take smoking it, um, investing yes. it with the oil, with edibles, you know, a, a lot of people have different experience with, with all of them. So yeah, yeah. you know, it's, and, and particularly with CBD, um, yeah, for what's sure. probably better. So the first thing I will say before I start the little methods of consumption, as I like to call it, um, the last thing I'll clarify, just cause I'm sure it's an area that people have a lot of questions about is indica sativa. Mm. So sativa strains. So there, there are two strains of cannabis sativa indica sativa strains very energizing very stimulating 
very creatively kind of oriented, meaning people who are artists or people who are sculptors find that it really gets their kind of brain going. It provides a cerebral high. So it's more of a euphoric, you know, in your head feeling. People actually call it like house cleaning weed because you want to just be like, oh, I should go and vacuum and now I should do this bookshelf because it amps up your whole system. Now, for somebody like you or me, that's a really bad idea to use a sativa strain because, well, and I'm not not trying to be assumptuous about your about your mm-hmm. um, like how you feel, but when I wake up in the morning, for instance, I feel anxious when I wake up. I feel a little bit um, jittery, a little bit kind of like overwhelmed and kind of like my brain's going a mile a minute i do not need to take a drug that is going to like literally Mm -hmm. stimulate me and amp me up even more the opposite of a sativa is indica even though it's the worst mnemonic ever in the couch it's like the the worst but nobody ever forgets it it is relaxing sedating that couch lock sit on the couch with your eyes half closed and then you pass out feeling so for somebody like me who's amped up all the time that's what i need regardless of if it's daytime or nighttime i don't ever use sativas whereas my partner who's you know designing our logos and doing our jewelry and making product is using a sativa strain and she doesn't have that pre-existing anxiety that i have so she just gets more and more creative whereas if i woke up and used a sativa strain i'd get more and more in my head and when i tell people that you see like people in the audiences at my talks having this like eureka moment in their head being right. like, oh my god every time I smoke it must be a sativa because I feel anxious and wired and blah 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 and then you tell them that and they go to the store or go online and purchase the right thing and they're like oh my god like I've had people say I've been using a sativa strain to try to sleep every night for the past year and I'm like oh yeah yeah that'll that'll do nothing for your mm. sleep at all in fact it reinvigorates all of your cells so it's one of those things like when people are equipped with that knowledge it really helps and that's again perfect segue into the methods of consumption you can smoke you can vape you can eat you can apply it topically Um, in terms of availability the legal stores both recreationally and, and medical websites that cater to medical patients offer all of those products the nice thing about smoking or vaporizing your cannabis is the immediacy of the effects okay so the same way that a puffer like when you're short of breath you take a puffer it works right away there's a reason that puffers are not pills can you imagine being short of breath and taking a pill and being like okay 45 minutes to go like (laughs) you need something into your bloodstream into your system right away so inhaled medication downside your lungs are shitty pro your medication works within one to five minutes. And if you're having a panic attack or you're in pain or you feel a migraine coming on, or if you're about to puke, doesn't matter that it hurts your lungs, you're going to be vaping it or smoking it if you know that that's, that's how it affects you. I mean, when I'm hung over or feel nauseous, there's no way I'm going to go take it for alcohol when I can puff on something that's going to work in like two minutes right Mm -hmm. it comes down to comfort and with medical patients if they're really sick really in pain they're always going to go for that quicker option that's kind of the pro and con of the inhaled medication oral cannabis is that is that sketchy area where everyone's like oh god like edibles i've heard horror stories yeah we all have one i think (laughs) Uh, yeah everyone has one and it's always somebody it's always somebody who's like 
hey Maddie, I bought those gummies and I took one and I know you said not to, but I didn't feel anything. So I took three more and then, and I'm like, oh God. So it's always somebody who kind of underestimates their edible. There's a meme online that I saw that's like edibles only kick in after they hear you talking shit about them. <laughs> right. So it's like, you're sitting there like this thing doesn't work. Oh shit. I'm really, yeah, all of a sudden, it's yeah. so hard with edibles because like, I was telling you, you have these giant dudes you have these tiny little old ladies and you'd think, okay, this dude's going to be able to handle this gummy. This lady's going to be stoned as hell. And it's not like that. So it always comes down with edibles or oral oils that the things that I provide um, is, is waiting, is <laughs> being patient, mm -hmm. starting low and going slow. It's like ultimate nursing advice. You use that with everything. So instead of trying 10 milligrams of THC for the first time, you're going to try 2.5, which, haha, that's hilarious. That's like minuscule. You have no idea how strong orally ingested THC is compared to smoking. doesn't matter if you can smoke a joint. I can smoke 10 joints in a row. I still can't have too many edibles. It's just not my metabolism or body type. People are like, what, Maddie, you smoke like all day, every day you have for 15 years. Yeah. And I mean, I'd love to take edibles, but they just mess me up. I get too stoned. Mm -hmm. There's no like, you know, I can take five milligrams. I feel great. If I take 30 milligrams, I'm like high as hell. And then I have friends that are like, I don't even feel anything until a hundred milligrams. Like it's just a matter of starting low, going slow and being like, okay, I didn't feel anything until I got to 30 milligrams felt great. But when I took 50, it was too much and I felt awful. Right. So it's like alcohol. You do it a few times, especially when you're just starting. Like as a teenager, you puke every time you drink because you're like, what is moderation? Yeah. With cannabis, it's it's the same. You figure it out slowly and slowly. It's just when you've had that experience of like how shitty it feels to have a hangover or puke or have those horrible green out gummy stories, then you don't do it again. Like you literally are like, that was the worst last time. This time I'm gonna have this much of an amount. So the reason that oral meds are so much stronger than just smoking is because it goes through your liver. It gets processed by something in your liver called your CA3, which makes it, it, it metabolizes it. When you inhale it or smoke it, it doesn't go through your liver. It's a totally different process. So it's just a stronger effect. You always have to be more cautious with edibles than, than you would be with smoking or inhaling. Um, when you smoke or inhale, you might be uh, feeling those effects for two hours. If you eat your cannabis, six to 12 hours, like again, depending on your metabolism. So if you have too much and you're like, oh my God, I want this to stop, you might have 10 hours to go. So really, like, you know, like really trying to reiterate to people, you can always take more, but taking less is harder. And on that note, vitamin C does make cannabis exit your system faster. So if you mm -hmm. do find you're at a party and someone's had too much of an edible, chewable vitamin C tablets, orange juice, people sober up pretty quickly. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's nice, to, it's nice to have that knowledge too. If you are like, maybe I'll start experimenting with THC for sleep, but I'm really scared of being stoned. So buy some chewable vitamin C and have them at your bedside and be reassured mm. by the fact that if you are too stoned, you have this kind of little sober up tool that that'll help you out. Yeah. And just to clarify too, vitamin C, like you can't really overdose on that. Correct. Like there's no adverse health effects. Like if you, well, 
Yeah. Like, I mean, when I say take a couple vitamin C, mm. I mean, they're usually dosed at 500 milligram tablets. They're like orange or tropical fruit flavor to mm -hmm. make them appealing for children. Uh, like I, if you're feeling super, super stoned, I would take two of those right. or have a big glass of orange juice. It's the exact same thing. You, you want to have a thousand milligrams or so of vitamin C okay. in your, to kind of counteract the CBD or THC or whatever it is. So are there things like, you know, when you, you're drinking or something, if you, you've uh, had an empty stomach uh, and you get drunk faster, is there similar things like, you know, especially if you're experimenting with THC that will have different effects on, on the way it's going to interact with your body? Yeah. Um, there is, so what are some of those things? So uh, cannabis is fat, fat soluble. So it's always going to work with fat. So if you're like, you know, sitting there and you tip your THC gummy after your hangover and you're sitting there all day and it's not working and then you go out and eat a big greasy meal, boom, your cannabis has something mm -hmm. to kind of bind to and you're stoned eight hours later. So I always <laughs> tell people to have their cannabis with food. It, it makes it not only effective, but it also doesn't give you that like creeper high eight hours later when maybe you, you didn't want to be high eight mm. hours later. So I always, uh, I always advise people take uh, their cannabis with something, especially if they're um, sensitive to medication. Usually like if you're the type of person that Tylenol upsets your stomach, then there's a chance that THC or CBD could as well. So have, you know, crackers or toast before you have it type of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I've always been curious about, and I guess it comes into that question about tolerance and it's kind of a yeah. little off topic from the cannabis one-on-one, but no, go for you, it. you mentioned like, you know, you, you've been smoking for 15 years all day and like, you know, you're so such a great orator, you're, you know, commutative, like all those things, you know, I have friends that literally cannot function if they are not stoned at this point. Like if they don't wake up yeah. and smoke their joint, they're pretty much useless. Yeah, for sure. I think, I, I think a lot of people are curious about like, w what is some of the science behind that? What makes that kind of become a person's life? Because they, those are the people that are using it like a medicine because their oh. body needs it. Right. Like my, you would, you would, people are like, you're doing a talk to 15 doctors and you've smoked 10 grams of weed today. And I'm like, dude, you would not want me to do this talk if I didn't right, smoke 10 yeah. grams of weed. Today. I'd be like, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't be able to string a thought together. Um, the same way, like if you just took away an SSRI from somebody who's had it for 15 years, they'd be like, yo, like what the hell is going on? I can't do anything. My mood, I'm not motivated. It's, it's, it's just kind of further evidence that people really rely on it as a medicine and those you know those might be like 30 year old dudes being like no i just love being stoned like nope there's something that your body whether it's pain or sleep or anxiety or um adhd there's lots of um male and female people who are um like on the autism or asperger's spectrum they deal with a lot of social anxiety maybe if you're a tiny bit stoned you you can literally have friends in a social circle versus you can't if if you don't have that kind of um i don't know how to phrase it if you don't have that kind of vice to make you a little bit more relaxed mm -hmm. um and if if it's the difference of i need to smoke half a joint or i need to take a you know a benzodiazepine a, an anti-anxiety med before i go out I and mean, smoke your joint like it's far less addictive it's uh, far less detrimental to your health long term with the exception of the of the actual smoking part is not fantastic mm -hmm. for you but I don't think there are many doctors anymore who are arguing um, that, you know, 
cannabis or CBD in particular are bad for you unless you are like 12 years old. If you're 12, don't, don't use large amounts of THC, right? It's people over 25 when your brain's developed that you can take this as a medicine and really have the effect. The same way when kids are 12 and you're like, oh yeah, they're on, you know, Prozac or they're on um, whatever medication, you're like, oh man, they're, they're young to be on that and won't it change their brain chemistry? Like it very well could and so could cannabis. Like all medication is medication. They all have their risks. They all have their pros and cons. Like I'm a nurse, I would never knock or um, discriminate against things like antidepressants. Like I was on them for years. I still have a prescription for anxiety for things like flying, but um, there are things that are, in terms of my care anyway, I have more pros in the cannabis category than I did in the anti-anxiety med category. Mm. And I think that's what you'll start to notice too if you go through your head and you're like, who are those people in my life who are like in, just unable to get through the day without smoking a joint? oh yeah, that person has Crohn's disease or oh my God, that person um, has back pain or that person complains all the time about not being able to sleep or oh man, I know that that dude has anxiety or whatever it is. It usually ends up being that they're using it as a medicine without even knowing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I know you mentioned, um, so you said there's pros and cons. You mentioned, you know, we don't know the long-term effects other than the smoking. Yeah. You know, what are some things, you know, just to be transparent, like what are some things people should be aware of or, you know, be cautious of if, if yeah. they're going to dive into this sort of medicine? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Because a lot of people are like, it. it's fine. You can't overdose. It's not addictive. Like, it's fine. You can literally do as much as you want. You'll just pass out. Um, um, yes, I, I know what you mean. Um, I think that cannabis is often touted as like a cure-all, like, oh, just, there's no risk right. for it. There's no issue. Just take it. No one's ever died. I wish, <laughs> I wish that I could say that nobody's ever died. Um, there have been patients who have died from cardiac issues relating to cannabis. Uh, there have been multiple people who have died from motor vehicle collisions relating to cannabis. Now, the only thing I'll say about that data is when they test people who have died in a collision and that person tests positive for cannabis, they're not clarifying whether the accident was that person's fault. Right. So like, I mean, obviously still not a good thing, but did it, did that contribute to their death or was it uh, somebody who literally like ran a red light and hit them? Right. Yeah. Point is, there have absolutely been cannabis deaths. Um, I think the weed industry is a bit notorious for being like, oh, it cures cancer. You can't overdose. You can't overdo it. No, that's not exactly true. Am I as worried about people experimenting with cannabis as I am with fentanyl? Absolutely not. Can you overdose on cannabis? Absolutely. Can you mm. die from the overdose on cannabis? Probably not. Can patients with pre-existing heart conditions die from an overdose on cannabis? Probably. Can somebody who, um, okay, and this is where I do want to be very, very careful. Um, schizophrenia is a genetic condition. That means that you, if somebody in your family or yourself, you have schizophrenia, you have a genetic, um, there's a genetic test to run for it and they can see and say you have the link or gene for schizophrenia. If your family history has schizophrenia within it, 
cannabis can activate that gene. So for myself, my family has no family history of schizophrenia. I can smoke as much THC as I want. It will never just ignite schizophrenia within me. If my partner has a mom who has schizophrenia and she takes cannabis every day, you could spark that genetic component for schizophrenia to take effect when it otherwise would not have. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I've heard so that you, argument um, with yeah, people you who are against it, that it causes so schizophrenia. You cannot just boom, develop schizophrenia from cannabis. That would be interesting. Right. You have to have the gene and that gene is activated through THC. And that is 100% legit. If I have a patient who has self-declared schizophrenia, I have to say I'm, I'm, it's for your benefit and safety. It's just not a good thing for you to t use THC and I can't condone it as a nurse. Mm. Um, the problem, or not problem, but the, the kind of issue that comes up now is they can walk down the street and buy it anyway. If, if I say, man, if you've never had a schizophrenic break, you're feeling good, but you have a family history, just don't do that to yourself. It's such a difficult disease to manage. It's really tricky, but I, I can tell them that all day and they can walk down the street and buy it or order it online or find it on the street. Right. So it's just trying to educate people mm -hmm. and, and provide that information if they choose to kind of believe it or not. At least I've kind of done my due diligence in saying this really isn't a great choice for you. And now maybe people listening are like, oh shit, I was about to try this and now I won't. Awesome. I'm glad that it kind of uh, puts that message out there, but it's frustrating for sure to just hear, you know, uninformed or uneducated people being like, oh, cannabis use causes schizophrenia. Like that's really not how it works. Right. Mm -hmm. So I always try to bring that up with any type of talk just to further get the message out there. Um, I wish and hope that there is a point when doctors are comfortable treating schizophrenic patients with CBD only um, compounds, but they're just not there yet. I'm sure they're all just like terrified of, of causing a negative reaction in somebody who doesn't have it. Schizophrenia is horrible a horrible disease to live with and manage. I just don't think anyone's willing to take that risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we referenced it before. So the difference between cannabis and hemp, yes. um, because like when I was doing the initial research on this product, I was like, oh man, I thought those were the same things. Uh, yeah. Like what? Like, so weird. You know? So yeah. what, what's the difference? What's maybe the benefit of, of using one over the other and maybe why you, you chose to use the hemp product versus yeah. the cannabis product? Yeah. So you can either, uh, you can extract CBD from two places. You can get it from a cannabis plant where it's 20% THC and 20% CBD, and they've actually bred different species of plants to get it down to 1% THC and still 20% CBD. So then they extract the CBD from the cannabis plant and they, they use it. That's what the government does. So that's what, if you walk into the hobo store or stash and co or fire and flower or one plant, um, all of those stores are selling CBD oil derived from cannabis because that's what the government has legalized for those stores to sell. Now, what they have not legalized or touched on or kind of regulated um, is the hemp industry. They have not given the government permission to sell hemp-based oils. Now, I said you could extract CBD from a cannabis plant. You can also extract CBD 
from a hemp plant. You look at them under a microscope, CBD molecule, same thing. If you extract it from either place, you're getting molecularly the same thing. What some people find is that cannabis-derived oils, because you're getting CBD and a little bit of THC, even if it's in minuscule amounts, it's providing what's called the entourage effect, where multiple cannabinoids, so THC, CBD, et cetera, are working together and it makes them work better. Okay? Mm. Many people find that they're like, oh, that's cool. I feel amazing with my CBD oil, the hemp derived one. It's incredible. And it allows for us to give it to animals. That's the big thing that we see within our uh, shop. And that's why Tiffany and I decided to use hemp based product. First reason is because in order to sell cannabis, you have to be a government regulated producer. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just mm. the law. That's what we were joking about before. Like now that weed's legal, you can't just like open up a store and sell your weed that you grow in your backyard. It has to be government regulated and standards, but they have not done that with hemp. Meaning the product that Tiffany and I are making is not technically in the cannabis category, but it's not in any category. It hasn't been regulated yet in Canada. In the States, the reason I brought up the pet stuff is because the hemp-based CBD industry in the States 2.2 billion dollars predicted as the industry total for this year because as long as it's hemp derived and there is no THC in it you can give it to dogs people are freaking obsessed with their animals their dogs their cats their bunnies whatever it is i have i have bunnies cats dogs ferrets um all sorts of things as clients now because we are producing cbd derived from hemp where there is no chance at all that the animal is intoxicated. You cannot and should not be going to a government store and purchasing CBD oil. Even if it says 1% THC, your animal will be impaired by that. And you cannot reassure an animal when they're stoned the way you can a human. You can't be like, don't worry, man. Like you'll be like not high in a couple hours. They will be terrified. They'll puke. They'll be shaky. They lose their balance. It's not fun. THC and animals do not mix. Some people are like, oh, well, my dog's dying of cancer. I gave him half of a weed cookie. No, don't uh. do it. Not a good idea. You might think like, oh, they're stoned. They're relaxed. They're not stoned. They're not relaxed. They don't feel good. Dogs need to receive hemp-derived CBD where there is absolutely no THC. It has to be that way. And that's why in the States, they've legalized hemp CBD. And it's like a multi-billion dollar industry because there's more and more people using it, having good results, having anecdotal um, you know, feedback to provide these pet companies. So the same way it's been legalized in the States and is now able to be sold everywhere, you can sell CBD oil as long as it's from hemp, you can sell it in a gas station in the States. Oh, wow. Until they do that here, Tiffany and I just kind of sell it out of the house in hopes that laws change soon to reflect the fact that we can sell it on a larger scale. It's so funny that the USA is ahead of Canada in a drug law. That's not usually how it works. Right. Um, but the USA has realized, oh shit, everybody and their mom wants CBD. We want the tax money. Okay, everyone can sell it as long as it's from hemp. Who cares as long as it's from hemp? There's no THC. We're not worried about people being stoned and driving or kids getting into it or whatever. It takes that... Um, Again, that kind of deterrent of THC that it brings, it takes that away. And that's why the states have said, 
I think it's most states have said, screw it, go for it as long as it's the hemp derivative and not cannabis. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not even federally, you know, legalized in the states and they're still, it's, it's still wild. gets penalized and, and criminalized in a lot of states. And mm-hmm. that's what I found interesting. And in um, shoppers and Sephora, you'll notice like beauty products now marketed with like hemp and, you know, mm. called like Kush mascara, because in the States, you can, you can incorporate hemp-based CBD into skincare. And then at the border, when they see, oh, it's a shipment of stuff from Sephora, no problem. They, they bring it in and it's sold in Canada. Whereas if they actually took a moment to be like, wait, Canada's not allowed to sell this hemp stuff, but they don't see it as a red flag because it's a makeup company, right? Right. It's, it's so tricky. And that's why I say, you know, cannabis podcast should be like monthly because everything changes all the time. If I came on and did a talk with you again in a month, I might say, well, some advocates up in Toronto did some work and it looks like the hemp laws are going to go through uh, like the Senate or whatever it is. Right. It's so interesting to see um, how the industry is progressing. So I'm always happy to kind of come and check in on stuff too, and see how things are, are progressing as mm-hmm. legalization gets further and further along. That's interesting because I was going to ask you, like, what is, is there a big holdup? You know, I, there's so much in the world right now to worry about. I don't know where that would be on the list of, you know, things to tackle. But the hemp, if, the hemp side. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think they. Honestly, I tell people on the phone, I don't think they're even going to touch on it until five years from now. Uh, it bugs me how slow again, the government is. Oh, they just don't understand. Then they're like, well, we don't have the money to do that. And it's like, but do you know how much money you would make if everywhere was allowed to sell it? Like imagine bars. Imagine you go to um, Heart and Crown for a beer, but instead of a beer, you could have a hemp-based CBD shot instead. Why the hell not? Like the money will go to the government, the tax money, right? It's just mm-hmm. they, they don't realize how beneficial it could be. And I think now that they're starting to see things come out of the States where they're like, wait, they made how much in the pet industry off the CBD? Maybe then, but I think it's going to be a while before, you know, Tiffany and I could open a little store on the corner and have our products there for now. We're just kind of like getting our products lab tested, making sure that our actual CBD is lab tested and derived from hemp from a facility in the States where they are legally producing it and therefore it has uh, health standards. Mm. We can't do much else until then. We're just kind of like hoping that the, we're flying under the radar with our lotions and bombs and that we're not, you know, <laughs> too much of a, a red flag for people because we, we have enough patients that use it and kind of rely on it that I think the, the pros outweigh the cons in terms of the risk and benefit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No. And I was, I was curious because, you know, even though I'm a man who uses moisturizer on my face because I don't want wrinkles, I think, mm-hmm. you know, men still aren't really there, but the reason I bring that up is just a lot of people who listen to my podcast are women yeah. and you do sell serums and bombs and all these different things. And yes, what is like, does CBD do something in those products as well that help? I don't know whether it's yeah. your skin or anti-aging properties or. Yeah, totally. Uh, CBD is great for, um, I mean, it, because it's so good for inflammation, you know, anything from uh, like acne related redness to psoriasis, to eczema, to puffiness under your eyes, that's all inflammation. Um, we incorporate different, oils into our face serums and our lotions that are really skin friendly. So things like jojoba oil, black cumin seed oil, which are like really high end, high quality skincare ingredients. 
um, the essential oil blends that we use are all targeted towards certain things. So, you know, we have a rose facial serum that was just um, actually picked up by a larger company because it's so popular. Um, rose as a general scent and kind of product is really well known in skincare for its ability to uh, moisturize, for its ability to reduce age lines, wrinkles, age spots. So, you know, when you incorporate those products with jojoba oil, which actually mimics skin, it's one of the closest oils to human skin in terms mm. of the same kind of pH and consistency. And then black seed oil or black human seed oil, which is fantastic for everything from uh, inflammation to uh, blood flow. So when your circulation's better, you're getting more oxygen to your skin and it heals better. Uh, the face serums probably are the thing we get the most feedback from. The topical balms and lotions are often used more for things like pain, whereas the face serums really tend to be more um, like cosmetic. Tiffany and I use them morning in the morning before we put on our makeup and at night after we take it off. And the feedback we get on them is just wild. People saying everything from, I haven't bought moisturizer in months to uh, this is the best skincare product I've ever had to, um, you know, I've never had my skin be so clear. I think it's a combination of, you know, the things I was talking about, the essential oils, the high-end plant products, but CBD is all around a pretty amazing drug. Um, it does have its risks like any drug, but its pros list is infinitely longer than its risks list. And um, the more and more we study it, the more and more it seems to be effective for, for more and more. So we're just kind mm -hmm. of gathering our data and hopeful that um, government stuff will speed up or at least be a bit more inclusive of the hemp stuff. But until then, we're happy to have people contact us on Instagram or email or through text, whatever. We can always do consults with people via Zoom or on the phone. And we are always happy to connect people who really want medical access. Maybe they just need information from me and then they're gonna to go to the recreational store by themselves. Or maybe they want a medical appointment with a doctor, with a prescription, where they can write it off on their insurance, mm -hmm. uh, which is a thing now. So Sunday. Yeah, I, I was watching your Instagram live when you were doing that and I found that super interesting. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good question. Um, so, you know, someone like me who maybe would be like, ah, maybe I want like a medical medical prescription that would be covered by my my insurance. Like, yeah. can you, how do you go about, can you just literally go to your doctor and be like, yo, I want medical cannabis. Like, is that like really as easy as that? Or is like, is there like a huge kind of like no, that's, forms and. That's technically it. Any doctor or nurse practitioner anywhere in Canada has the right and allowance to prescribe cannabis. Some of them will say like, oh, I'm not allowed or I don't do that. I don't have the training. There is no training. The only specific mm -hmm. training there is for doctors or nurse practitioners is in regards to methadone uh, and suboxone. So those are again, totally unrelated, but any doctor, any nurse practitioner can prescribe cannabis. And if they're unwilling or unable due to a lack of education, they can write a referral that says, um, this is my patient, Ryan he has anxiety, he has been using cannabis and wants a prescription, I don't know where to start. And you would bring that referral to one of those cannabis clinics that I used to work at and their doctor 
who's super cannabis savvy, who's done his research or who's seen it work firsthand would say, oh, I see this paperwork from your doctor. He confirms you've had anxiety for three years. You've tried standard meds. Let's get you a cannabis prescription. And that's what my friends do through their clinic hybrid farm on Richmond Road is um, my patients who do end up saying, I want a medical prescription or I need a medical prescription or, um, you know, I think it's best for me to get it just to protect myself if ever I go over the border and they accidentally find it on me. Whatever your reason may be, maybe you're a police officer and you just want to have protection. Um, there's always benefit to getting your prescription. You get a chance for education, asking questions, and and more importantly, it covers you should you ever um, need it for legal reasons, and more importantly, cover you in terms of insurance. So hopefully, it's the same way you get your antidepressants you pay three bucks it should be like that eventually for mm -hmm. cannabis for everybody right now it's a little trickier but we're getting there They're, they are covering things like anxiety and pain and insomnia uh, so even adhd we're seeing coverage oh really that's interesting yep. really cool yeah hmm. interesting and you said it's okay. a hybrid farm on Richmond. I mean, that's for those in Ottawa. Um, yeah. But, and they will see actually anybody in Ontario virtually or via Skype, their doctor will do the same thing. Send your medical history in and they'll give you a shout and you'll have your prescription later that afternoon. Wow. It's so funny yeah. how much we don't know our own rights when it comes to our health, our health care or our health yeah. advice, right? Like, I don't even know. I can, for sure. I can ask my doctor for this. Like, before, Yeah, you know, it's it, funny you get the stigma and it's like, well, I don't want like the doctor's going to think I'm a junkie and or something, you know? And exactly. It's, it's really too bad. And uh, there are people that are too hesitant to ever tell their doctors that they're using it for that reason. And it shouldn't be like that. Um, you know, if your doctor isn't pro cannabis, they don't have to be, but as a patient, all they have to do is, is listen to you and re refer you to what's best. So mm -hmm. especially if you're somebody who's been struggling for a long time, if you've tried, 10 different meds over the past 10 years, yeah, you should probably try cannabis. It's probably reasonable that it's something you could try now. Um, so any anytime people have questions like that, they're welcome to get in touch. The other reason I love connecting people with hybrid farm is if they are high risk, meaning they do have MS or they are a cancer patient or they're palliative or they're 95 and they take 100 meds a day, I want those people to go to hybrid farm for the sole purpose of meeting the owner, Rahim, who is a pharmacist and he has his doctorate in pharmacy with a, with a specialty in cannabis. So if you mm. pull out your med list and you're like, this is what I'm on, he's going to be like, oh, fuck, no problem, go for it. Or he's going to be like, dear God, don't take this. Or you're going to you know, have X, Y, and Z. And that's huge for people who are mm. baby boomers, who are really sick, who have multiple comorbidities, who shouldn't be just trialing meds willy-nilly because their grandson was like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine with weed, no problem. Like, You really should talk to a nurse or a doctor or a pharmacist if it's something that you want to do medically, the same way you wouldn't just go to a random person if you wanted a migraine medication or an antidepressant, like you go to the healthcare providers when you want to use it like a medicine. So that's why I find that I'm here. Uh, my partner makes the vast majority of our products and we, we work really well as a team together in that I provide education and kind of support to people and she's providing the physical products that mm -hmm. people tell me they need. So, you know, I had 10 women message me saying my period pain is so bad that I miss work. So we designed a bomb that is good for period pain based on the essential oil blend, based on the amount of CBD, based on the uh, plant-based oils that we incorporated into it. So we, Tiffany does her research with 
what product's going to be effective for what thing and kind of follows that path. And that's why I think we've had such good feedback on things like our headache bomb or our neuralgia bomb, which is designed for neuropathic pain because it, we really have chosen items and ingredients that will benefit those conditions. Yeah. I, I love that, that teamwork where you get the, you, you know, the shit and like also make a good product. You're not just yeah. like two bros in the basement. You're like, yo man, let's like show people some CBD stuff. And like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I tell people like without Tiffany, I would just have CBD and a bottle of uh, Lubriderm that I would give to people and be like, try to like rub this in together or something. I don't know. So we, she's great. She's very good at all that stuff. And she built our website. She does our, um, all of our branding and our, um, like our business cards, everything like that. So we're very lucky for sure. And uh, she's also happy to answer questions too about product specifics or people who have allergies or if people say, you know, you know, my nine friends and I are part of the Lyme disease society. We all have this issue with itch. Can you make a product that helps with itch? Like, yeah, we want to be able to do that for people. So, you know, if you have questions, things like that, we're happy to have people be put in touch with us through whatever social media means works best. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, this has been great. A great uh, education process for me and awesome. for a lot of people. Thank you so much. Of course. If people want to get in touch with you, whether it's the website or your social media, where, where do they find you at? Um, whichever. So like they're, they're welcome to the mblapothecary.ca website. They're welcome to the MBL Apothecary Instagram. My personal Instagram is madsbees, just M-A-D-Z-B-Z. Um, the website has my cell phone number on it. So honestly, you could literally oh, wow. reach me pretty much everywhere through any means you want. Uh, and I don't mind at all. I get some strange, strange calls uh, all the time from people <laughs> with varying illnesses or th things like that. And I'm happy to help. Um, and I'll try to point you in the right direction if I'm not able to help. You know, if you're really dealing with something complex, I'm going to ship you over to Hybrid Farm where they have... Mm. Uh, the doctor and the pharmacist and stuff to follow you versus if you just need more insight or information more than anything. So whatever people want, they can contact me. And we really appreciate you having us on the show too. It's been uh, nice to be able to chat about a lot of that stuff and get the message out there to even more people. So, yeah. And I think, you know, education is so important. And I think that's where the legalization kind of like we, we kind of missed that part from the government. Like I know they had the resources and, and things there, but it's like, people aren't going to search that. They're not going to read a big long article right there. They want to hear like people who have firsthand experience who have studied it and have worked yeah. in it. I don't want to read some random article, right? Like, yeah. And I mean, I wrote, e I wrote emails to the government, like a lot being like, I will go out to every school and every healthcare center for free and do this education. And they never even emailed me back. So wild. Uh, that's like, that's generous of you. Cause that's taking on a lot, but uh, yeah, I mean, but I was happy. Like you have like mothers against drunk driving at every school. So fuck send me in and like, I'll right. do it for free. I'll do it at any age group. And there's just like silence. Like, <laughs> okay. Well don't say that you don't have the like, funding or the healthcare capacity like man I'll do it I'll do it on zoom for the whole school board if you want but you know they have to be willing to which I think that stigma is is alive and, re and real right it's it takes a while to get rid of those biases in society whether it's cannabis or racism or LGBTQ stuff I think it's all it takes a long time and a lot of educating people and trying to not like lose your patience with people who need that education right it's not my 
job to make sure everyone in Ottawa is informed about their weed before they buy it. But I want to help people so they don't feel like shit when they buy it. You know what I mean? So we'll figure it out. I think we're, we're slowly reaching the masses, but anything I can do to help, just let me know. Appreciate that. Cool. MBL apothecary, go check them out. Personal recommendation for me. Maddie, thank you so much. It's been awesome, man. Have a good day. We'll chat soon. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Bye. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.